So for the past year, if you've been on campus during the school year, during the day, you've probably heard the incredible bustle and joy and noise coming out of the school building. This year they have 80 students over there. And my office is in the office building right across the patio, by the patio, and it faces the back alley. So the kids, all 80 of them this year, walk by my window on the way to the playground, which is on the other side of the alley. And my office fills up with chatter, and if you've met with me during one of these times where the kids go by, it is so loud we close the window. I see them through this security mesh, you know, this, this heavy metal mesh on the window. And there was one day this fall when, a couple months, a month or so ago, when there was a kid lined up out there, and he looks in and he sees me, and he exclaims, there's a human in there. <laughs> to which I say, hi. <laughs> And the kid jumps on the mesh, starts climbing up and yelling, there's a human in there. <laughs> and then there are other little heads peeking up. It didn't matter how many times I said hi, I said hello. All they saw was the human in there in a cage. There was no conversation. <laughs> and it actually made me think about cages we create how we define what we see by cages that we may be confident in. These kids know this space as the school, their schoolmates, the teachers. Our building is probably a nothing, it's just the way that they go by to go to the playground. So the concept that there's a person in there was foreign. I didn't fit what was normative for the kids. I started thinking about this more this weekend as we are about to celebrate Indigenous Peoples Day tomorrow. Now the day started out and well, came, came official in Berkeley, California in the 90s as a counter-celebration to Columbus Day. The day that has been honoring, or we grew up, honoring European discovery of this land that had been inhabited for thousands upon thousands of years. This counter-celebration of Indigenous Peoples Day wanted to reject the idea of honoring colonization and genocide. And it took until last year for our president in our historically Eurocentric, white-centric halls of power to acknowledge the humans in there and say, yes, we are going to celebrate Indigenous Peoples Day tomorrow. The history of this nation is a history of defining the indigenous populations through the lens of European context. And a big part of that intellectual construct is the cage of Judeo-Christian scripture, our Bible. The concept of manifest destiny grew out of Christianity, this idea that the Americas and lands that were not Europe were destined for God's people, that God's people were destined to have dominion over the earth. And that dominion was interpreted 
to be dominion of Christianity over all who are non-Christian. In 1493, the year after Columbus arrived, Pope Alexander IV issued a papal bull regarding the Americas and authorizing Spain and Portugal to, quote, subdue said mainlands and islands and their natives and inhabitants with God's grace and bring them to Catholic faith. Catholic at the time being European Christian. So there was this cage of white European God-given supremacy which created an image of the humans in there without engaging with the humanity here. And there's a powerful exhibit up at the Getty right now that looks at images that have a, are a devastating disconnect between the reality of indigenous life and religion and culture and the European imagination and caged interpretation of what they saw when they landed. In the European imagination, there was a duality of paradise, this unexplored, uninhabited, undiscovered Eden to be settled and yet populated by some savages. It was a land that these images show, these European-made images, a land of imagined beasts, some of which are actually creatures that are in the Americas and some that were flights of fancy. In the background, there are images, and one in particular, of people indigenous people roasting a person on a spit. These images fueled stereotypes, prejudices, and created this incredibly strong and rigid mesh through which new people coming to the Americas viewed the indigenous population. The exhibit is called Reinventing the Americas. And it's even hard, and I'm embarrassed to say, awkward for me to think of the white settlers as reinventing the Americas, because the Americas were already here. They were reinvented according to European conventions, images. So Indigenous Peoples Day challenges us to look at our nation's history and particularly for those of us here, it's a challenge to look at how Christianity, how our faith, how the faith of Jesus Christ, who we know proclaims the fundamental dignity of all, who we know whose love knows no bounds, who we know just from our gospel reading this morning, reaches out to the lepers, the people with skin disease, the people shunned, to heal, to bring them into community. It's a call for us to look at how this faith has been used to justify what ultimately became genocide here, the killing of the vast majority of indigenous people on this continent. Our second reading this morning is the second letter to Timothy, and it starts with a powerful call to remember Jesus Christ. So maybe this is our starting point. This is our starting point 
to look at what remnants of these cages still need to be dismantled. I've found a lot of guidance from the Reverend Canon Mary Christ. He's a priest in this diocese who is Blackfeet, and she's in charge of indigenous, or in, at the national church level, of educating us about indigenous culture, indigenous faith, and the role of indigenous peoples in Christianity. And when I first got to know her, I remember asking her, you know, Mary, how, how can you be a Christian after what Christianity has perpetrated on your people? She looked me in the eye and smiled and she said, because we look to who Jesus really is. We remember who Jesus really is. We look to the great creator who we call the great creator. She wrote a letter recently to our clergy in the diocese about what sustained indigenous people. And she said it was this quote, it was the strength of their faith in the creator, particularly the tenet of faith that all things are related. It remains the basis for our worldview and totally compatible with the teachings of Jesus. Mary goes on to write that indigenous people believe that all things made by the creator are connected. We are all related. We are responsible for one another's welfare. Our world is organized as a circle in which no one is higher than another and all are dependent on one another. In this, I hear the embodiment of one of the other exhortations in this passage from Tim to Timothy. But the word of God is not changed, chained. The word of God is not chained. If we endure, we will also reign with him. So unchaining, I think that's our call to look at our history with open minds and hearts, to look at the European takeover and decimation of people here, to look at our faith with open minds and hearts and look beyond the cage mesh into the heart of Jesus who's crying, hello, I'm in here, engage with me, engage with the truth. And to do this, we're going to need to do a lot of scriptural unpacking because these same letters to Timothy have a theme exhorting clergy and the Christian communities to uphold the status quo, which at the time was patriarchal and it had an economic structure based or held up by enslavement. These are the letters that say, women don't speak in church. We have looked at the entire canon of scripture. Does women not speaking in church fit with the whole body, the teachings of Christ, of who we know to, Christ to be, our decision? Mm -mm. Same thing about slavery. These are the letters that tell slaves to obey their masters. These are the letters that were used to justify slavery. And yet, if we look at the whole canon, the whole body of scripture, this is not the message. This is not the message 
of Paul who said in Christ there is no East or West, no Jew or Greek, no male or female. So the word of God is not chained and the word of God is inviting us in through lenses of culture, through lenses we may have in our own lives and biases to remember Jesus Christ, to discover Jesus Christ. So there's a new issue of the New Testament called the First Nations Version, an indigenous translation of the New Testament that came out last year. And it's a retelling, in their words, a retelling of the creator's story from scriptures. Their word for scriptures, the great story. And it attempts to follow the tradition of their ancestors, the storytellers, and oral cultures from which, in which they belong. And this was a collaborative effort among Christians across over 25 different tribes, Apache, Assiniboine, Blackfeet, Cherokee, Choctaw, Cayuga, Diné, Navajo, Hopi, Odawa, Ojibwe, on through Yakima and Yaqui. Huge collaboration of Christians, huge collaboration of people who see Jesus Christ for who Jesus Christ is, see the liberating message of Christ. And in doing this translation, they chose to follow native naming traditions, to use the meanings of names for people and places in the great story. So the names of God in this new version the names of God capture the meaning of God. God is called Great Spirit, Creator, Great Mystery, Maker of Life, Giver of Breath, One Above Us All. So names like these for God have been chosen in the retelling of our great story to honor the simplicity and the beauty of native understanding of the great creator. So what do you think the name for Jesus is? Creator set free. Jesus, creator set free. So if I use their translation for the first part of this letter to Timothy, it reads, keep your thoughts centered on creator sets free, Jesus, the chosen one who was raised from the dead and is a descendant of chief much loved one, David. This is the good story that I tell. It has taken me down a troubled path, one that includes being put in chains as an outlaw. But Creator's message can never be locked up. So I keep walking through these troubled times for the sake of the ones whom the Great Spirit has chosen as his own. I want them to be set free and made whole through Creator sets free the chosen one, and be honored with him 
to the time beyond the end of all days. The Creator sets free. Creator sets free. This is the freedom to which we need, which we need to remember. This is the freedom that will help us dismantle chains of our understanding and see the Creator sets free. Amen.